Passion, drive, and patience. That's the formula for winning championships and is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. They have superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and much, much more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, they've got it all ebay motors has you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for and with ebay guaranteed fit your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber and not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins let's keep your ride or die alive today at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply the following is a production of Dirty Mo Media. I've never peed or done anything in my suit in my 18-year career. Never. Hand to God on that. Never done it. Hey guys, welcome to Actions Detrimental Post Coda Circuit of the Americas. I'm Denny Hamlin, driver the number 11 for Joe Gibbs Racing. And owner co-owner of 2311 of the race winner tyler reddick and bubba wallace so my co-host jared allen how you doing today jared i'm doing good i am the purple vest guy the one who follows denny everywhere on the weekend you post all those artsy photos on my social the ones media you love yep <laughs> <laughs> yeah we had a little discussion about that uh post-race but uh fun week going into austin uh, this is a very interesting town. Um, I know you like to explore. It looks like, I mean, I follow you on social media. You're exploring different parts of the city yeah. and places from, you know, famous movies and historical places. Did you find anywhere cool? I really like, um, what's it called? It's called, I, it's abbreviated to SoCo. Um, I, can't, I don't know why. South Congress Street. Okay. So that runs across the bridge. It's kind of like... If, people are familiar with charlotte it's the artsy district so it's like noda here in charlotte except much bigger gotcha. in austin um i really like that street and just going up and down it's it's where all the granolas go exactly <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> all right cool uh you know this week uh, there was a lot of preparation from our side you know getting ready for the first road course of the season first one for the new uh short track package at uh, Short Track Package, people who don't know what we're talking about. New aerodynamic package for the road courses for this year. Uh, so did a little simulator time. I actually sat in on uh, Tyler Reddick's uh, simulator session, uh, trying to learn everything I could. Uh, my, my crew chief told me before this week started, he's like, you know, we're just going to lock stop whatever the 45 does we're doing. Uh, so you need to just figure it out and, and kind of figure out what he's doing to, to be so good on road course racing in general. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I shadowed his session, uh, this week and you know, I, I, he got out of the simulator. I got right back in everything the same. And, you know, I'm looking at his times and I'm watching him, you know, we've got great at Toyota simulator. I can see, you know, how he is inside the car and, you know, kind of watch his demeanor as he's going around the track. And I'm like, wow, he's so in control. And, you know, I didn't think much of his times until I'm like, Hey, well, what was bell running? And I'm like, whoa, he's way faster than than Bell, um, and then way faster than Ryan Truex, who who does a lot of the uh, sim testing for JGR. And then I'm like, well, I'll surely go in there and 
kind of matches times or be close. And yeah. I wasn't close. And I was thinking uh, post, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> my first message to the team was like, man, that fast. Like, holy shit. Like, this can't be real that he's that much faster than I am. And then we show up on Friday and turn, come to find out it's, it's real. Like, he's that much faster <laughs> than all of us, not only in the sim world, but uh, in real life. So... Uh, crazy, crazy skill set that that uh, that kid's got, and obviously that's where we we hired him. Yeah, well, I came into the bus on Friday after practice, and obviously Reddick was super fast in practice, right? Set the track record. Um, I said, hey, hey, why why is your twenty three eleven cars, most notably Reddick, so much faster than you? You're, you're like, it's the same car. Or I said, do they have something different? And you're like, no, it's the, it's the same setup. I was like. So he's just that much better than you? <laughs> yeah. Now, again, let me give a little credit to, to the guys at 2311, Dave Rogers, the whole competition department, to building fast cars. Like, they also build very fast cars. We saw last year that, you know, many times when we go to these speed type of racetracks, the 2311 cars are very, very legit and very fast. And um, so... Again, you know, we, we copy as much as we can, but again, you know, we don't, we're not at, at Joe Gibbs Racing, we're not in the shop with them, you know, while they build the cars and whatnot. So it's a uh, shout out to them. They, they deserve a lot of credit. Team deserves a lot of credit uh, for that, for that performance. And so uh, I thought we had a great weekend of racing. Uh, it started with a truck race uh, that was going to be an awesome showdown. Um, you know, there were some varying strategies there. Um, I think if the Chastain's truck didn't have um, some mechanical issues. We we're going to see a great battle with him and uh, Kyle Busch. If you if you notice, like as soon as one would take the lead, they couldn't stretch it out, and it seemed like the other was able to pace themselves off of each other. And really, you know, it was going to really size up for a great show. Um, you know, and then I got to thinking too. I was like, you know, when when Kyle went and and. <laughs> overrode his crew chief. I was like, man, that's a multitasker there. Mm -hmm. To be an owner, a driver, and a crew chief all in one race, like, that guy's multitasking. And so you saw Brian Patty getting pissed uh, because he wanted to come in. Um, you know, I, I, you heard Kyle's interview afterwards, and he's like, you know, well, you know, every time I pit early on other racetracks, I get burned by it. But, like, that's where you got to just let the crew chief crew chief. And, you know, they, they've got a much bigger picture um he wasn't going to go to lap down he wasn't you know the only guy he was battling essentially at the time was the 41 truck who was having mechanical failure um and so i was watching from in the bus seeing that the 41 truck was not running as fast as he should when he came out after uh he pitted so i think they were trying to go along there to have the freshest tires but when you got the field beat you don't have to have an entire advantage as well. So I think they kind of botched up the, the end of that. And uh, let's give credit to Zane as well. He held them in check the entire race as well. He was like 3.5 seconds back and stayed that distance from those two the entire time. So it's not like he lucked into it. Um, so uh, shout out to to Front Row um, for, for putting a solid performance two years in a row for Zane and that team. Yeah, and kind of the same more or less the same situation both years, right? Zane just putting himself in position yeah. there behind the leaders at the end of, I guess this one wasn't at the end of the race, but putting yourself in position there that if something happens with the leaders, you can capitalize. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's how you win races nowadays. Uh, the fastest truck doesn't 
you know, it, it only wins or fastest car or truck only wins about 35 to 40 percent of the time. It's pretty low. So this is where the execution comes into play. What'd you make of the celebration afterwards? Oh, yeah. <laughs> car caught on fire uh i thought it was a kind of a perfect storm and you know the driver's chat lit up when the when the mud flaps went on yeah i love that we're calling them mud flaps now uh <laughs> when they caught on fire i think it was kind of a perfect storm because the rubber was building up between the tire and the mud flap and it caught fire then you know it then caught the <laughs> mud flap on fire but then caught the truck on fire so anything we can do to get rid of those things uh Maybe Zane gave us a little extra fuel for that fire. No <laughs> pun intended. Uh, and then we had a, a fantastic Xfinity race. I mean, these guys never cease to amaze me. You know, they've had the same rules package for forever in the Xfinity race. And we just had a awesome battle between Creed, Dinger, Byron. These guys were mixing it up. Creed was just making it hard enough on those guys to try to try to pass them to, uh, you know, kind of jumble up the field a little bit. And then AJ, I mean, call it like it is, he kind of just took out the, the two. Obviously, it wasn't intentional, but he just overdrove the corner and, and hit the two and spun them out. Uh, but great battle between those guys in the, in the closing lap. So it just seems like those Xfinity cars, for whatever reason, just have a great balance of power and aerodynamics where the racing is always great. Yeah, it doesn't matter what track it is. The Xfinity race seems to always top the weekend, or at least it's a highlight of the weekend. Of the right? race, of racing. About, of racing. We're always yes. talking about how good the Xfinity racing was. Yep. Yeah, it was It was good for sure. And and I think, you know, it was the first kind of um, moments where we saw, hey, you know, what's it going to be like with no staged cautions? And I think that, you know, the social media was lighting up with, well, these these series typically have a lot of natural cautions anyway, so you don't need them. So I think that uh, there was something merited there. It's sure. interesting too with the Xfinity series is that year after year, so many the top guys are going out, right? New guys are coming in, but the racing still stays. It is, yeah. It's got a balance for sure. I mean, you know, I think the the truck series and spe you know, specifically have probably. 15 good trucks the xfinity series probably a little less than that there's probably 10 to at the most 12 really competitive cars or cars that are capable of winning week in week out and then you go to the cup series it's like 25 like you know and that can win you know the cars that are fast enough or capable enough to win um so yeah it, it was uh it, i thought it was great racing at uh, at the racetrack this weekend with all three series i, I thought the crowd on sunday was good they they certainly showed up you saw them all over the grassy knolls which is good you know there's plenty of places to sit and watch that race um so you know great great atmosphere for sure uh love the facilities there circuit of the americas is like one of the perfect road courses because it's got a lot of passing zones and it's also got a lot of technical areas in it so like between turns 13 and 16 that's like a very technical sonoma sweeping corners type feel and then you've got like a mix of road america long straightaways at this racetrack as well so that's what makes the difference in like great road courses like coda and road america versus like tracks like uh, let's just call it you know the parking lot at at the roval like it's just that's not it's just not a not not a good mix there but for fans too coda has a lot of amenities 
Like there's the facility's great, right? Yeah, as, I haven't as a driver. I, I don't get to, you know, check it out as much as probably you do. Um, but I know that you you like exploring around that racetrack. Yeah, they just have a lot of things that make the track unique. The tower for one, uh the pit road and garage facility is top notch. They have that carnival out beyond mm-hmm. whatever it is, turn twenty. Just think there's a lot to do there and there's a lot of reasons for people to come to that race. Yeah. If you're if you're not just specifically interested in the racing. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, that's what makes for great racetracks, right? Is is that is there something for you to do if you want to watch the race? Is there something for your kids to do outside, um, or is there great views somewhere, right? So, uh, good facilities, all for that. Uh, but the race on Sunday, man, was just a clinic by Tyler Reddick um, and that team. They were just light years faster than everyone the entire weekend. He got some challenges here and there, but. You know, for the most part, it was a Tyler Reddick show for sure. Um, you know, I, I, I had a bit of a rough day myself. I <laughs> I cut the S's twice. One, because I had a flat tire and, you know, I'm trying not to stack up the field. That was unfortunate for me. But I uh, had one cutting the S's early. That was because I couldn't see like I, you know, we're all going and we're too wide through the S's and I can't see where the lines are in the racetrack are. So I guess I'd, you know, I'm, I'm confident in knowing that they made the right call because I couldn't see. I wonder, you know, just generally speaking, can we make some sort of, because we're all just trying to navigate and not run into each other through the S's. No one's trying to gain, um, especially when you're too wide. Like, can we have a little bit of judgment? I don't know, you know, a little bit of judgment that, Hey, if you don't gain a spot or gain position on somebody, can we just kind of let each other in on the road? You know, can NASCAR let us just navigate getting through there without wrecking? And if we step over the out of bounds by a foot, like, can we, can we just say that no one gained an advantage there? We're just trying to go through there without wrecking. So do you agree with the penalty for cutting the S's pass through? I do. I think that's a good call. Um, You know, Michael Waltrip flew back with me uh yesterday and he says you know they just need to have rumbles there or something that deter you and i'm like michael it's better to have you know me personally i'd rather just do a pass through not tear my car all and my race not be over because i've damaged my car versus you know i i think the penalty of 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 doing a pass through is is a good penalty because you know it doesn't end your race you know i lost probably i mean where i was running i only lost about eight spots anyway um, and, and my day can go on, you know, it was just kind of a simple mistake of, I can't see where I'm going. And then the second one was at the end of the race where I had a cut tire and I didn't want to jam up the field. When you go through that section, are you actively like when you're heading through the S's, are you actively thinking that, Hey, I need to make sure I stay within the track limits here or is oh, yeah. tra- you are thinking about yeah, that? Yeah. So there's a white line that I'm looking at and I try to hit my tires on that white line. Now that's very close, but it, right. that's using up everything I can without putting all four tires inside the, 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 uh, rumble strips. So, uh, you know, it was a, you know, a fairly clean race, pretty straightforward. I did find myself at one point, uh, one of the stages, I think it was before the second stage where, uh, Chris had me pit a lap before. And when I came out, I was kind of just, I wasn't taking it easy, but I was making sure I wasn't burning up my tires because I'm like, well, caution's coming out, so we're going to reset and flip the field. And then I realized about three quarters of a lap later, oh, never mind, we're going green. There is no caution here. So 
it did kind of throw me for a loop there for about three quarters of a oh, lap. Oh, the no stage breaks. Yeah, I, I, I thought we were going to have a break, but we didn't. Um, so, yeah, it, it confused me a little bit, but we'll, we'll get used to it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I there the I think it was the start of stage two, or maybe the start. Yeah, it had to have been the start of stage two where they restarted, and the um, order was the order for the stage was determined off of who crossed the line first. So, depending on how you restarted, was worth a position or two. So William Byron uh, led the field to the restart. So he finished first in the stage. But the guys between oh. sixth and tenth, that whatever it was, 500 Because they restarted on... Correct. Wow. So the moment they crossed the line is was how they finished Was there a stack the up? Was there like people pushing to get their row ahead? I wonder... There wasn't for this one. But down the road, now that you're aware of that, you can gain one or two spots on this restart. There may be a stack up. Yeah, it's a start, but it's also a finish. Correct. Dag on. Can you imagine if they had that in the middle of turn one? Like, yeah. <laughs> like the, the start finish line just right after the yeah. turn? Yeah. I mean, we've already got shows, you know. The, the title for this, by the way, should be show with a happy ending. <laughs> That's pretty much what it was. <laughs> Right, because what if what if Reddick didn't win this race? I mean, yeah, I know that Jeff was talking about it on his podcast last night. Uh, you you listen to it. I usually try to listen to that to kind of hit, hit some tidbits of like what do I need to talk about on this show. Um, but yeah, I mean, certainly the narrative definitely gets driven off of what happens during these green white checkers, right? And luckily, the fastest car won, um, which which made it. Uh, uh, certainly a happy ending for for us probably the sport because you know it, it it does get nasty at the end of these races and it's it's interesting because the beginning of the race is not like this we we're running two by two at the beginning of the race and we don't have 10 wide why do we have it at the end and i think just everyone someone gets used up by someone else some point during the race and so they just lose their patience and so we watched the race back together right before we aired this, and I'm going to do my best to call out the people who don't get enough attention for being dumb <laughs> at the end of this race. The, like, are, the what an idiot section of this show. Basically, right, is that, listen, and I'm, and I'm not picking on these guys for any particular reason other than I saw, what I saw watching the race back. I, you know, I watched replay after replay. Oh, let me see it again of who is coming in to the pack with reckless abandon and not giving a shit about anybody else around them and willing to crash other cars to gain positions. Now, whether their intention is to crash other cars or not, I don't think is necessarily their objective. I saw in a couple of these that they were perhaps trying to start something um, and others were just, you know, 
and let me just say, I biased this when I looked at the replays. I looked at cars that were coming in from late. They were they were mid or back of the pack and made a move and laid on the bumper of cars in front of them, and there was no one pushing behind them. So they had the option to hit the brakes more, and they didn't. They just used the car in front of them as bumper cars into, hey, hopefully he hits this guy, this guy hits this guy, and then we got a big pile up, and boom, I've gained 10 spots. So, so we're removing intent from yeah, this discussion. Uh, I guess, I guess. But TV doesn't have time to break all this down, right? I mean... You know, again, I had to watch it multiple times to really see who I believe is at fault for the main cars wrecking. So the cars you see spin out, who was the guys that triggered this? And and so let, let's go into this, right? So at the end, we had a one with, and I've got notes here. Uh, it just says call out. So this is nine to go. Um I saw from what I saw is that the two car and, and again I'm going off notes and I'm not watching it back. So so there was two main people that I thought were responsible for just the absolute chaos. You had the two car shoving the middle, just pushing the forty three. There's nobody behind the two pushing him. He just lays on the forty three's bumper, shoves the forty three, and I don't know if the 43, yeah, and then the 43 spins the one. So the 43 got shoved. He spins out the one car because he's getting shoved from the two. Then you got Harvick in the four. He's on another lane. Again, comes in there smoking the tires way too deep. He lays into the 16, and then the 16 hits the three. So I'm going to hold the two car, and uh, which is Austin Sendrick, and the four car Kevin Harvick responsible are my kind of my what idiots for that caution. Then we got another caution. Let's see. Seven to go. The one so the one car spun there. So he goes to the back. Chastain goes to the back. And he's probably super pissed at the time. So I watched him go from last essentially. And he just drives in on the bottom and just ships it in on the bottom. And he just starts pogoing cars from the bottom lane. Um, so when that happened, somebody hit somebody, somebody then hit somebody, and then somebody spun up front. And that, in my mind, was from Chastain shipping in on the bottom, just saying, it. I just got wrecked and... We're gonna we're gonna cause some chaos here, and uh, hopefully it all worked out. Which he gained a bunch of spots from. Then we got one here from. Uh, then we go into overtime. Okay, so then there was a debris caution from the three car. Um, it's interesting. As long as those laps are, you had a suggestion for this for debris. <laughs> I did. What was your suggestion? NASCAR needs the people like in tennis, the, the kids that run out, grab the loose ball, and run back to the corner. When we've got Daniel Suarez's <laughs> tire carcass laying on the backstretch, and the cars aren't going to come around for two more minutes, just send a guy out there, grab the tire, and get off the fucking track. Then we don't have to call another caution. Jared, what if there's a car that came off pit road that's a second behind the field? Hey, we got a car coming. You've got 45 seconds to pick up the tire. Hurry up. I don't know. 
Have you watched some of our... It's probably a dumb idea. By the way, this is a thankless job that these guys have that are our cleanup personnel, but I just don't trust that anyone's going to go out there and pick up that tire carcass within 45 seconds or I didn't say it was a good idea. I'm just watching the You're just saying it's an idea. Someone go pick up the f***ing tire so we can get this race over with. Yeah. I mean, we'll talk about this at the end after I'm done calling out some of these, these wrecks. Uh, on what we can do to fix this because it, it it is kind of a bad look. But um, all right, let me go to the first overtime caution. The 22 car then shipped it into the middle that caused that. So this was the priest wreck, the one that he got absolutely pissed about and called everyone a bunch of hacks. I'm super proud of priest uh, and these drivers starting to embrace my quotes that I've said over the years. Um, and I couldn't agree with him more. So the reason he got wrecked, honestly, came from the 22 car who him and the 20 had a pissing match, I think, throughout the final restarts. Interesting enough, uh, he he offered Austin Payton, my my guy that you also see around, he offered Austin a ride to uh, back to the bus lot. And Austin said that Joey was just going off on the golf cart about, you know, this is ridiculous and like i finished off the 20 car well well maybe he finished me off i'm really not sure but like just guys that are just pissed and going at each other and but, Waltrip had said joey doesn't swear <laughs> and austin swore by it. he was like no he did he was swearing uh but the 22 uh and thanks joey for giving austin a ride but the uh, the 22 i'm gonna have to hold him accountable here and again these are my opinions of what I saw, 22 shipped it into the middle, laid into the bumper of someone. He had nobody behind him, and he essentially caused this major wreck that the 41 spun, and I don't know, I think the 38 spun. There was a bunch of cars that spun, but it all started from the guys who came into the middle uh, with reckless abandon. 22's fault on this one. Second overtime. Okay, I think this is where the Bowman... And the Chastain and the Suarez anger started. You saw at the end of the race, the 99 car uh, knocked the one out of the way on pit lane, then hit the 48 on pit lane. Uh, And there was an official there. Interesting to see how that goes. But he was really pissed. And then I think the 48 got out of the car and says, hey, you better go talk to your teammate who, who... started all this. And, and so I tried to break it down. I tried to look at it and figure out who was really at fault in this deal. Cause Daniel obviously got the end of the stick. Um, it's, it's close. It's really close. The Bowman shipped it in there on the bottom. I, you know, it was going to be very hard for him to make the corner, but he did attempt to slow down. Like he didn't lay into the 99. He didn't make contact with the 99 until the one who, again, did this a few laps before, Chastain, he shipped it in again on the bottom. And you can see where he's trying to slow down, but he didn't really attempt to slow down a whole lot. He hit the 48. The 48 then starts, you can see him like trying to slow down, but then here comes the 14 of Briscoe. He's shipping it in on the bottom. Nobody behind Briscoe. I watched. There was nobody. He had the option to slow down more. He didn't. Then the one and the 14 tag team 
and hit the 48 of Bowman into Suarez. Suarez spins out. So I'm going to call this a... Most of the blame goes to Chastain and Briscoe on the 99 spinning. Uh, the one was the initial contact into Bowman, which knocked him in Suarez. But then the 14 then was shoving. I think he saw that, that they were starting to make contact up there. And he was just like, hey, let me join this party. You guys are all hitting each other. So I, I think it's okay. So he, he kept going and kept pushing from behind. So Watching this replay back, I have to defend Bowman a little bit. Because on this restart, you see Chastain's behind him. Chastain pulls down below him to pass on the yep. side. Bowman sweat comes over. So he sees him in his rear view, comes okay. over to block him. And then Chastain pulls down again into the red on pit, ro- pit so, road. So, and Bowman comes down again. Yeah, so so Bowman basically is playing defense, yeah. trying to keep the one from shooting the bottom on him, right? So everyone just keeps pulling full further left. And, you know, I, I thought that it was just a... It was avoidable, but unavoidable because everyone, the people that are they're coming from three lanes back, shooting the gap on the bottom, like they go, they know they have nowhere to go other than to hit the car in front of them, and they just say F- it. So um, Bowman afterwards called it an embarrassment. If you want to race clean, you'll get used up. I agree with that statement. I mean, I try my best not to be on this list of responsible for these wrecks. But honestly, I'm the one that gets the shit into the stick. So, you know, I, 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 Harvick usually is not this guy, but I think I called him out on the first caution. I mean, that's on him. Maybe he just doesn't. He's like, I'm, if I'm, I'm not going to get the guy. I'm not going to be the guy getting used up. I'm going to be the one using up. And this is what we got. And so I personally think, it's a bad look. Um, I think that, you know, do we want our NASCAR fans? You know, I know, you know, I've got a clock on my dash on, you know, I just like the no time of day, you know, for time, you know, debriefing with my team and whatnot on when the track changed. But I mean, it shouldn't take an hour to run the last two laps of the race, green flag laps of the race. So I, I I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, Maybe we should explore single file restarts Ooh. at the end. I, Jared, we we listen. Oh, I'm about, don't act like don't act like what? our series is not afraid to change the rules in the middle of the race. <laughs> they I, did it during the dirt race a couple of years ago. It did. Maybe after four green white checkers that you look into that, but immediately or I get it. But this it, we can't be trusted. Clearly, we can't. You know, we can't be trusted. I mean. Kimi Raikkonen at the airport says it, it's stupid. It, it, it we bumper cars. It's it's ridiculous. Like that's what he said, you know. So I just he's like, you know, it's not good. You know, Jordan Taylor. I watched him. That guy hit everything but the lottery. Every car he got around, he was laying into him. Now I didn't see what happened early in the race. Maybe he got used up and was like, oh, fine. This is how y'all do this, but. I know the the nine car for sure, and Jordan like he he ran into me so many times that I finally was like, man, if I get back to him, I'm, I'm just gonna have to move him out of the way as well. And so it's just this is what we were doing nowadays, and it's it's just I don't like it. Um, 
we thought that it was just an indie road course problem. It's not. It's wherever we have a restart zone that is close, you know, an extended distance from turn one where you're coming in, into a stop. Because um, you don't see this at Watkins Glen. No. And you don't see this at Sonoma. No. Well, what if, okay, we, well, then let's move the zone. Because maybe the zone needs to be between turn 19 and 20 so we can take off, slow down, and then go down the front straightaway and not be all jamming in there. That's why I think single file might be the best resort. Now, I know they're, it's just, what does NASCAR want, right? If they're happy, then they're going to keep this. But I just think that there's something we need to do for the road courses on these restarts because, you know, more than likely, if you're listening to this, your driver probably got spun or wrecked at the end of that race, and you're probably tired of it as well. So uh, I just think it taking an hour to run to the last few laps is just ridiculous. And how can we avoid it? You have to, you have to help the drivers help themselves, and that's spreading us out a little bit. So do the drivers have an individual responsibility to? Yes, we all do. We all have a responsibility to to have respect for each other, but we don't. We just don't. And and there's just a few. That's why I, I called them out as I saw it this weekend because they don't get enough attention. Do we hear about any of these guys that that were responsible for these cautions? No. All we hear on TV is that oh well, it was a stack up, and this guy got in. Like normally, when it's a someone making contact one versus one and it's middle of a green flag run the person like has the embarrassment of seeing it on tv in the field and everyone watching saying oh that guy's at fault when we all get stacked up here they don't get credit for the wreck so i'm trying to give the people that i believe is deserves credit for the wreck here on the show today so um and there'll be points where i'm probably going to be responsible down the road because clearly you cannot be clean like Alex Bowman says, you know, just can't just can't get away from it. For for what it's worth, Chastain gets spun on that first caution, goes back to I don't know, the last car on the lead lap. By the end of this race, he's back into the top five by doing that exact same aggressive move. So I know. I know for what it's worth, re- it works. They get rewarded for it. So I I don't know. I, I just think that uh at what point does NASCAR make changes? They either can make changes by Telling these guys that was unavoidable and you're responsible and you're going to the back, that would stop it. That would stop it. Or you just say, okay, well, we don't want to get into those balls and strikes calls. We're just going to move the restart line to somewhere else. I like that idea better than single file restarts. Okay. Well, because the, the, the road courses where you have a softer corner, Watkins Glen, mm-hmm. Sonoma, this doesn't happen. As much, as much, but it—I mean, it has happened for a while, but it, it not not to this magnitude. It's like people see a opening and they think, "Oh, if I jam it in there, then I'm there." No, that's not that's not racing. You are playing bumper cars. That is that is what we're doing, and so we have a list of of guys that 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 cause cautions, and it's unfortunate, but it's screwing up the end of the race because we had such great races going and we, you know, I mean, very easily could have had a, you know, a show at the front and, and next thing you know, somebody that had no business winning, winning. I mean, that's, that's what we've had many, many times, but, um, luckily, you know, we had a, 
we got a we had a happy ending with the fastest car winning. Besides these new guys, Jordan Taylor getting into everybody and whatnot, how was it racing with them? I mean, it was cool. Uh, I, I thought that Jensen Button was probably the cleanest of all of them. Uh, there was actually a, a quote from him. I don't know if I have it here, but he was like, you know, man, I feel like we can do better than this. He's like, you know, I. he says, I, re- I, I remember seeing this. He says, I, uh, I appreciated the ability to retaliate against someone that knocked him out of the way. He's like, I like being able to hit them back. He said, but he's like, we, these field of guys should be able to do better than what they're doing. Yeah. He also noted that he'd he'd never gone through so many corners too wide before. (laughs) Yeah. That's a great point. Um, and listen, I mean, contact is what our sport was built on for many, many years, but we're just taking it to another level and it's, it's, uh, it's getting to the not good look, uh, level. So, it's interesting. Kimi obviously didn't like it. You know, he called it bumper cars. Jensen said, you know, this is kind of out of, this is not what really I, I thought it was going to be. And then you got uh, Jordan Taylor saying like, you know, what the hell? I, you know, I, I just, I hit everyone because they hit me. So it's, uh, <laughs> it was, it was crazy to watch for sure. What did you make of Jordan Taylor's qualifying time? He's and, and fast that stuff when they're in open track. Yeah, I, I talked to Jordan a little bit before the uh, the race started. And I was like, you know, what'd you think? Is it everything? He's like, man, it just I I had no idea how much these cars were going to slide around versus like the Garage Fifty Six car that has so much more power, so much more downforce. Um, he said, but it's fun. He's like, I I had such a fun time, and that's where you see like if I can improve as a driver, it's like, how am I going to get better finishes and stop being in the middle of all this? It's like, I need to qualify better and then put myself up there with the cars that don't run into each other as much. Um, that's where I have to get better. I mean, those guys are able to get all out speed so much better than what I am. Um, man, it's, it's crazy that they can get in a machine that they have not been in before and just go qualify in the top 10. That's just crazy. Were you exhausted after the race? There was a lot of guys getting out of the car, you know, sitting on the ground immediately. Reddick, there was a video of his celebration. He was sitting on the ground. Yeah, I got out of the car and I went in and talked to my team. And I everybody I had, had got out of the car in front of me was all laying on the ground and just sweating and exhausted. And I was just like, I, I mean, I honestly felt as good after that race as I felt in any race that I've had. Uh, it was the first race that I ran a cool shirt. I don't usually run cool shirts, um, you know, but uh, my crew chief is adamant that, that you know, he wants me, if it's over 80, 85 degrees, he wants me wearing it. So I was, I was pretty fresh. I felt good. Shoulder actually felt pretty good after the race. So, um, yeah, I don't know what it is. You know, I think uh, just some, the, these cars gas guys harder than others does is it taking more out of you all the all the restarts at the end left right left right and just doing that over and over again while getting running in the back yeah i mean certainly with all the shifting um again we're, we're running into each other so you know maybe there's more co uh coming in the car uh but again i i felt fine but maybe that's maybe i'm just not driving hard enough <laughs> i say that but i spun uh, a few times trying to drive hard it hard so um, I don't know. It's just everyone. It's everyone's different. You know, you never know. Did they hydrate enough? Did they 
eat the right things before the race to keep fluids in them. You just never know how pe- everyone prepares. Reddick's uh, heart rate was up there like 180 beats per minute wow. at some points during the race. Wow. That's that's high. Yeah. Right. I mean, th- the pressure of keeping I, all those cars behind you for so many laps. Yeah. I mean, the poise that he had was just amazing. It, it reminded me of watching the Indy Road Course race last year where he got passed on one of the restarts, but then just methodically just you saw him weaving and just i forget who he beat there but he just i mean just put on a clinic god the kid is so poised behind the wheel you talked about him a little bit earlier when we opened up uh this section of the show but what makes him so much better of a road course racer than some of the competition (laughs) i don't know i mean i know where he's better than me like where's he better than you well i mean i don't want to say that (laughs) <laughs> on air because you know the competition listens people listen they'll you know if they have their debrief on tuesday i guarantee you that they'll say well denny said this denny said that and they'll take some of that and say all right well we need to work in these areas i mean we always listen as competition we always listen to what other drivers say and can we use any of that information to get better uh, all teams listen to each other um if you look the crew chiefs have got eight radios around their belt it's because they're listening to everyone they're listening to nascar their teammates every other car on the racetrack trying to gather any information they can to make their program better so uh, i i know where i need to work certainly um i think i need to have more reps to to do it um but i i I saw light at the end of the tunnel i believe that i was in open racetrack faster in the race than i was here last year so i'm pretty optimistic but is reddick is he breaking better than others is he just hitting yeah the, the passes and the passes he made that's what it looked like is he could just outbreak guys into the corner so um but he sets himself up for the corner really well so he just does everything well and he's able to run that car on an edge that not many people can can drive well it was cool that that he was able to to get the win after i mean he earned it multiple times over it was cool hearing kurt on the last lap to get choked up for him because yeah. of his involvement in the team still. Yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to hear that because I saw social media really, you know, uh, I don't know what their reaction was, but a lot of engagement on Kurt's last lap call, right? And, you know, as he, he's just such a great person beyond anything, right? He's a great teammate. He helped us build that 45 team. And, you know, his it was his relationship with Monster Energy that, that came over to 2311. And, you know, I know I had a, a, a conversation with uh, Monster Energy uh, at the Grove at Michael's place and said, you know, this I, I believe in this kid. And, you know, if you want to stick around, you know, I, I think that you could be part of something great with him. And they did, thankfully. And to get them a win uh, was great. And then, you know, this was all facilitated by Kurt Busch. And uh, this team was built around Kurt Busch. And when you hear him talking about, you know, I really wanted to be in this car. He does. He, he, he still loves racing. And I, and you see him, how active he is, you know, going and being on pit lane during practices and qualifying, you know, just giving any of our drivers a little bit of information that they might be able to use to be better. Um, Given our crew chiefs information of things that he sees that maybe they're not looking at. Um, such a valuable part of our team and such a great teammate. He is, he's just the best. He is the best dude. And 
like last year, you know, he took my kids to, to go get ice cream one day. He's just uncle Kurt. I know. Right. He's just such a great dude. And, and can you ask for anybody to have gone through such a transition in their life from, you know, decade to decade, like Kurt Busch, just, just a huge transition as a person and, you know, proud to, proud to have him as a teammate at 2311. Yeah. I got to respect his, um, uh, just the, his involvement in the team. So, right. Cause you, you'd have to think that a guy whose career ends like that, you know, maybe, or full-time racing career, full-time NASCAR cup series racing career ended the way it did last year. Um, would not necessarily want to still be as involved as he mm-hmm. is. Right. To, it's just gotta be hard for him to be on pit road with the team and not be in the seat of the car. Yeah. I mean, I experienced it when I, you know, uh, broke my back in 2013, having to watch my car go around the racetrack for a couple months. It was like, it's tough. It really was tough. And, and I just, I can only imagine, right? I mean, what, what I loved about Kurt's career though, is that he went out going for the pole. He was probably going to get the pole at Pocono when, when he got in that wreck. And so in my mind, he, he went out on top. He, he had, you know, just, just put that team where it was running top three, top four every single week, and he built that team to, to what it is. Dear Danny, we've got some questions that we want to ask. Dear Danny, we need answers and we need them fast. We tried to ask Junior, but his answers were lame. And with DBC, it was more of the same. Now we're calling on you, because you're our only hope. This ain't the racetrack, so maybe you won't choke. First question, why are driver contracts earnings less visible to fans versus other major sports? Uh, well, I think that, that uh, a lot of that is reason is because we have no salary cap, so it doesn't have to be public information. Uh, other sports, it's, it's publicized, this, you know, this, wide receiver got a four-year 120 million dollar contract whatever it might be a lot of that is because it's it's public information because they have to monitor what the team spend um they you know around nascar they always keep the money a little more secretive um you know they stop posting what our winnings were i think bob pockers each week posts like with the charter and historical money and blah 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 the purse for this weekend is blank right but it's not really broken down. So uh, I'm not sure. You, you, we'll have to ask NASCAR really why the money is hidden so much. Um, I know that people used to really like seeing what their drivers made on any given weekend. Um, I think when they started changing where they put the money, like so they it used to all be in the race purse. And then uh, five, six years ago, they when the charters came around, they started putting it in different buckets. The teams were like, Hey, we need more guaranteed revenue. So they said, okay, each team that has a charter will get X amount. And then however you have finished in the point standings for the last three years, that's a, that's a fund as well. So first to 36th and obviously first gets, you know, a, a big, bigger share of the pie. So that's what we're essentially racing for. And then we have our, actual race purse which we make on a weekly uh, basis that is of course ranked as well from first to 36 but the difference is like 
you know, we talk about this all, all the time with our 2311 team is like, if we go spend like a few more million dollars to go run 10 spots better, the return's not really not there. Like there's not enough discrepancy between, you know, going to and being the top versus being mediocre or being towards the back. Like it's the line is not very vertical, right? Vertical. Yeah. It's more horizontal. So it just, you know, I think that that's something that, you know, the teams will talk about in the, in the next negotiations of like, how can you entice some of these bottom teams to, to spend more money to be competitive, right? Because right now, you know, some of the most pro, really the most profitable teams are at the very back of the field um, because, you know, they, they spend what it takes to put their car on the racetrack every week. And sometimes that's, that's all they're trying to do is get to the racetrack. And I'm not saying they're doing it to just go collect the check, but it's, they're, they're looking at the business model saying, well, it doesn't, make sense to spend more money to go faster because if I gain one or two spots in the standings, it's not worth what I have to spend to get there. Yeah. So they're playing with what they're, they're given. Yep. With the rise of sim racing, what are your thoughts on these types of drivers entering the sport in some capacity? Like sim drivers, like sim drivers. iRacing? Correct. Yep. Like uh, your eNASCAR Coca-Cola series. Driver. Yeah. I, I Listen, I've worked with uh, Keegan Leahy, our um, iRacing Pro Series driver uh, for 2311 for you know a couple of years now, and we just recently hired him at our team to uh, work with us. And I know that him and Tyler worked together quite a bit uh, in preparation for Coda. I was actually there, and I was surprised. I, I walked into the sim, and I'm like, "Oh, hey, Keegan, what's up? What you doing here?" He's like, well, "I'm moving here in, in a month." You know, he, he's from Canada, so they're working on the visa there, but. Um, I think that it's very important. Those guys have a great skill set uh, in the world that, of simulation that we live in nowadays. Those guys have a skill set that can be an asset to race teams. And um, I know that I worked with them on road courses uh, quite a bit, um, Kodo being one of them. Now, again, I'm probably not a great case study because I, I haven't taken the big jump that I need to. But um, I know I worked with them at the Daytona road course. And I led early on in the Daytona road course because of the preparation that I put in with him uh, in the team. So I think that it's a, a very, very valuable tool for sure. And, you know, I think you look at, I think uh, one of the, uh, pro, you know, you're seeing a lot of the pro drivers or former pro drivers. I, I think I just saw uh, Ciala, uh, Vincent Cialis or something like that, Salas win at hickory on a green white checkered mm. um so a lot of these guys are starting to get into real racing now and actually having pretty good success william byron came from i racing i mean that's where he got his start and in, in raced for the first time um uh, honeycutt in the truck series i believe he is a pro racing driver as well online and he's now in the truck series um so they're starting to get opportunities which is very cool to see for the hardcore Denny Hamlin fans, you remember Keegan Leahy was Denny's crew chief uh, oh, yeah. during the glory days of your televised sim yeah. racing a few years back. I know it, on it, our stream on our Twitch streams. I know it's it's funny because that's like you driving and me being your spotter during yeah. a, a pro <laughs> race, right? He's probably like, man, this guy's such a clown. He has he, no idea what he's doing. He's terrible. Um, 
but yeah, those guys, they just have a specific skill set. They've been running thousands of laps on iRacing for so long that, you know, when we go, when we try to do it, it's, it, we're less competitive. We're definitely less fast than what they are. So, um, yeah, I, I think that you'll see in the future that, you know, these guys are going to have positions or uh, be assets to some of these teams. Did you tell Brad to lock the porta potty next time? <laughs> yeah, what, that was just a bad move on his part. Um, I'm not going to talk about what I saw, <laughs> uh, but it was very interesting to see him uh, with his helmet on uh, in fire suit. Yeah, it was. He was in a rush. I, listen, I, I felt the same thing he did. By the way, I, listen, I, I, I had to use the bathroom really, really bad. I had to pee, like extremely bad and so like for the first time i really don't use the bathroom that much before the like i I know that i need to pee before the race because i know as much fluids as i'm going to take in throughout the race like it start it it gives me a stomach ache at the end because i'm like holding it in and i tried to let it go at at atlanta now i've never peed or done anything in my suit in my 18 year career never Hand to God on that. Never done it. But I was so uncomfortable at the end of Atlanta that I I wanted to let it go. And I'm I tried to relax. I'm like, just let it go. And I couldn't do it. The stage fright or whatever it was, just not wanting to make a mess in my suit and then in my seat. I'm just like, I can't do it. There's only one more caution, hopefully, and we're gonna get this thing over. So I jumped out of the car. And Brad must have hauled ass to the car because he he beat me to the John. And listen, it's not my job to knock on the door. Like it's up to him. He has of a to, green handle. You see a green handle, you pull it. Yep. Do you knock on? Have you nope. ever knocked on? Never. No. That's what the the green red's for. That's right. So definitely a rookie move by Brad. Shout out to the uh, cameraman for capturing that content for. Shout me out. Is it kind of weird room. though? Why do you follow I think, him? Well. I guess he probably could have thought that maybe he was going to approach another driver or something. Yeah. But I mean, keeping the camera on him for the entire time he was in the shot. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay. A little weird. I don't think you filled out. Did you fill out a March Madness bracket this year? I didn't fill out a March Madness bracket, but I did fill out an actions detrimental bracket. People, you're going to want to see this. It's going to come out on YouTube this week. But I filled out a bracket about my most detrimental moments of my career. Now, we only had eight, an eight-team bracket. Eight teams. Eight teams, right, of, of different incidents. What I deem the most eight detrimental things that have happened in my career or to my career or my reputation or whatever it might be. Come to find out when we were filling this out, we needed way more brackets than eight. But tune in. That's going to be coming in uh, later this week. Watch out for that. It will be entertaining for should, sure. Should we give people a hint um, for the bracket so they can go follow your social media at Denny Hamlin and Dirty Mo? We'll run through the uh, the seeds of what you seeded. Uh, yeah. Each of these incidents. Yeah. So I, you Do guys you remember? Yeah. I'm looking at it over in the corner over there. No, I mean I don't want to give away too much for sure, but you guys help put that. Um, <laughs> you you put a list on my my note here on my phone of like what y'all thought were the most detrimental and then I added to it and then we kind of narrowed it down from there. And then when I was filling it out, I kind of put the seeds where I thought 
it was going to be, but there were some upsets. There, as I talked through it and informed people of why I thought they were detrimental, I, I started to change my mind on what I thought was more detrimental to others. So there were some upsets. Yeah, we had one. I'm going to go with this one. Actually, no, I'm going with the upset. What? Nope, I'm going with the... Yeah, there the was some mind changing going on. Yeah. So for people listening, uh, you can find that later this week on Denny's social media at Denny Hamlin, Dirty Mo social media at Dirty Mo Media, and then the full video, the full nine to 10 minute video will be on uh, the Dirty Mo Media YouTube page. So yeah. Be on the lookout for that. Um, Richmond this weekend. Anything you want to add about this? Yeah, race? I mean, excited for Richmond, hometown, home cooking. We won the race last year there. Uh, my kind of racetrack. I love it. Uh, I think we should be pretty strong. Uh, I, I really do. I think uh, I, I just, it's not always a fan favorite from an action perspective because it's, it's very similar to Atlanta where the race can get strung out. Now, it's a three-quarters of a mile track, so we're not going to, it's one of those race the racetrack type of tracks. So, you know, there's not a lot of beating and banging, even though it's less than a mile racetrack, but it's a, the best cars win there on a higher percentage than any other races. And so, uh, Martin Truex always historically very good at that racetrack. Um, we, we were really good both races last year. So, um, I don't know. I think, uh, that's one of the racetracks I think Blaney struggles historically at that track for, for whatever reason. Uh, he usually qualifies well, runs up front for the first little bit, and then has a bad pit stop or something and then just drops an anchor. But you know, some, some tracks just fit some driver's styles better than others. And I just feel like Richmond is that one where I can make up a little bit of difference of what my car may or may not have. But I've also had races there where I've run 15th and just been like, what the hell is going on? Do you have any uh, plans for Saturday? You'll be done at the track about probably 1230 since qualifying's in the morning. And this is your hometown. A couple of years ago, you went to a bonfire or barn with your <laughs> old did. buddies. Yeah, that was that was an Last adventure. Year? Yeah, they, you know, they text me and said, hey, we're all hanging out at the barn in Amelia. So I took about a 45 minute drive and went out in the middle of absolutely nowhere and hung out in their barn with them. Uh, the night before the race, and then we won. So it was fun. I, I have great seeing all my old friends from high school, and uh, yeah, I, I don't get to see them that much. We used to hang out all the time, but since they're you know, they're in Virginia, I'm in North Carolina. It's just a lot different, and um, you know, so it's cool because I you know I've given them kind of memorabilia and maybe some fenders or doors of my car over time. So you see them all hanging up in the barn there. So. Uh, it's cool. And it's crazy to see everyone's family now. Like I, yeah. I, I brought my kids, uh, you know, and you know, they're hanging out with all their kids and it's just fun. Well, that'll do it for another episode of actions detrimental. Yep. We'll see you guys next week. But first, Oh, social media plugs. We always forget to do this. Dirty Mo media. At, Go f- yeah. At dirty Mo media, uh, follow Mr. Jared Allen over there at Jared D. Allen, and I'm at Denny Hamlin. So uh, tune in. You're going to want to check out that bracket, that Actions Detrimental bracket. I guarantee you're going to find a laugh out of that. Like, follow, subscribe. We'll see you next week. See ya. Check out Dirty Mo Media on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram.